0: It was all a dream. The Football Academy journey discusses and covers issues pertaining to mental health and well-being. If any of the issues discussed in this documentary have or are affecting you, please call the Samaritans day or night for free on 116 123 or go to samaritans.org.
1: What is the journey really like for young players coming through the academy system? with only an estimated 1% of youth footballers making it to the top of the game. How can we make the pathway a more positive one for the thousands of young boys and girls who don't end up shining in the Premier League, English Football League, WSL, and for their national teams? I'm Troy Townsend. You might know me from my anti-discrimination work with Kick It Out. I want to find out about the highs and lows of the system by speaking with players, their families, and their clubs about what it means to be an academy footballer in England. In episode one, we heard from the players, clubs, coaches and football bodies about how the system works when things go to plan. In this episode, we're going to learn about the experiences when things don't work out as hoped and what that can mean for a young player's mental well-being, and the ripple effect felt by their families and friends. Crystal Palace's Eberichi Eze is one of those players who has been on that journey.
2: I'm 13 at the time and they didn't tell me like, listen, we don't think that you're gonna excel here. And I just remember, like before he even finished speaking, I was already gone, like in tears. And um, you're trying to hold it in, but it was just so overwhelming. And I just remember walking down the stairs like, this is the worst. It feels like, wow, what is next? Like, What do I even do? Where do I go? So it was a, it was a moment of real loss at that time.
3: Football is people's life and you know some people struggle when their dream is taken away from them and they find no way back. I think we can do a lot more to help these boys that fall out the game because it could easily have been me and I know how tough I would have found it. That was
1: Scotland captain Andy Robertson and this is England and Arsenal defender Ben White.
3: I think it, it's tough when you, when you get released and you're, you're not wanted. And especially when you're young, it's, it's hard to deal with, I think. You know, I think you either you sink or
1: you, you swim. But there is a stark reminder of the fine line between success and failure for those in the academy system. One of the things why I always
4: say, you know, is if you don't want your son to be disappointed, don't bring him to a professional football club.
1: This is It Was All A Dream, the Football Academy Journey. I was a youth player at Millwall and then Crystal Palace, with aspirations of making it to the very top. When I was released for the second time, aged 15, I was devastated. Being a professional footballer was the ultimate goal, but when that dream was taken away from me, I felt like I had nothing. It was as if I'd lost my identity, as I explained to my son, Everton midfielder Andros Townsend. I think I became a different person. Really, I had no vision of what my future would be because academically I did nothing. Mm. I tell you now, I I went to sixth form not to study, but I did it to continue to be around my friends because I'd lost, I I, I was I felt worthless, and then I got kicked out of sixth form because they found me in the bar of football in the games <laughs> room more often than anything else, and I'm supposed to be in commerce and accounts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the spiral was 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 very quick because. Listen, i got some friends who used to play ball, but were very rogue. Do you know what I mean? We're not dedicated mm-hmm. in the same way I was. And, and, well, I believe that I was. And I just saw them having a good time. And I felt I, wa- I wanted a piece of that. I just wanted a piece of being part of a group now that I soon realised they were up to no good. But, I like I said to you, I just, I was worth, I have no one to share any of those experiences with to then be able to evaluate what was going on in my life. Yeah so I just made probably the worst choices that I could make at that period of time but I thought at the time they were the best choices My experiences in youth football as a player and later as a parent are why this is such an important subject to me Every season, young boys and girls are released by clubs and academies Not all age groups are tied into the official figures but it is believed that of the 1.5 million boys who play organised youth football in England only 0.01% will become professionals in the Premier League. With a finite number of professional clubs, young players are going to be released from academy teams. It's a part of the game. I want to find out if we can improve the retain and release process so that it doesn't become the traumatic experience that it has been for far too many young boys and girls. The FA's Tony Fretwell is Academy Manager of the Women's Super League.
5: Nobody should get to a point whereby on a day in spring, you're told that's it and goodbye. There needs to be continuous levels of support that aids that transition, that connects you with another playing opportunity, that supports you with your next steps educationally. And if you are to leave a club, you should have had relevant diagnostic feedback that made you kind of suspect that that was going to be the outcome anyway to provide more time for that supported transition to take place now this is very new work we've made some real progress with it but we've still got work to do but it's front and centre of what we're working on and, and and striving to and there absolutely are some stories where it's not being done effectively um, and, and there's no getting around that and that it's not okay to say Overall, we're getting better because that parent, it's their daughter. You've got one shot with each player, so you've got to get it right.
1: Fretwell told me that best practice for releasing a player should actually start from the very beginning of a child's entry into the academy system. This was a far cry from my own experience, where my former Sunday league manager was the person who informed me I was no longer required at my first academy club, Millwall. Crystal Palace's Eberichi Eze is recognised as one of the finest young talents in the country. He was released by multiple clubs, including the team he supported
2: as a boy, Arsenal. I'm 13 at the time. So prior to this, everyone's been offered two-year contracts and I was offered one. So immediately I'm already in tears about that. So that year's now over. I am called up into a meeting and they didn't tell me, like, listen... We don't think that you're gonna excel here. And I just remember like before he even finished speaking, I was already gone, like in tears. And um, you're trying to hold it in, you're trying to even like be grateful and just say like thank you and then try to get out, but it was just so overwhelming. And I just remember walking down the stairs like this is this is the worst. I need to get home. And um yeah, my, my parent, my mum, she was there with me and she was also extremely upset. So it was just like, what do you where do you go from here? Arsenal being the club that I've supported and the team that I've I've held dearly to my heart at this time. Yeah. It feels like, Wow, what is next? Like what do I even do? Where do I go? So it was a it was a moment of real loss at that time. Are you aware of the days
1: afterwards? Like Emotionally, mentally, the impact that it had on you?
2: I remember the first couple days, I couldn't stop like crying and thinking about it. You see, when you get released, they don't just like tell you get out of it and that's the Mm -hmm. end. Like, you can still try and like train with them until you get a new club and stuff like that. I went to one session after and during the warm up, like, I couldn't stop thinking and I'm crying as I'm doing the warm up with these guys and everyone's looking at me because everyone probably knows at this point. So they're trying to like, oh, don't worry, it's all right. But their emotion is too much. It got to a point where I remember, I don't know if it was maybe about a week or so that you've got to move on. You've got to make something of yourself now. Arsenal's not the end of the world. When you play for Arsenal at your school, you're the guy and everyone's like, ah, he plays for Arsenal. Yeah. You want to play football, football? He's the one you need to go to. Yeah. So I was thinking in my head, going back to school and telling people this, this is going to be the worst thing ever. How do I even explain this?
1: Liverpool defender and Scotland captain Andy Robertson remembers being
3: let go by Celtic and the impact it had on him as a teenager. The day I got released, it was hard. I went home, you know, I cried, uh, you know, I, I made sure I surrounded myself with the family and then obviously next day you go back into school. So, you know, I was embarrassed, not embarrassed, but I felt a bit embarrassed going back into school and having to tell my friends and stuff like that, do you know what I mean? And you didn't want to tell them the bad news because, you know, you know what you're like, you're a 15-year-old boy and you don't want to show, you know, any weaknesses and you want to play for Celtic. Although they came back from their disappointments,
1: Robertson and Eze's experiences are common. Most youth players are going to be deemed not good enough by clubs, and it's a fact that they and their parents have to acknowledge from the outset," says QPR's head of coaching Chris Ramsey.
4: One of the things why I always say, you know, is if you don't want your son to be disappointed, don't bring him to a professional football club, because everybody mm. eventually gets released from the club, and 99% of the, of the players don't even stay in the game. I think it's been very, very difficult for kids to accept that this is just another job application. That's all mm. it is, it's mm. just a, a 12-year audition. Till people uh, realise that, I've, I think we're always going to have the, the, the problem of kids, I wouldn't say
1: falling off the edge, but you know, really uh, suffering when they get released. I remember the suffering and pain I felt after being released it was nothing I had ever felt before. And the hit can be even harder the older you get. As the further you go in your youth career, the closer you get to the ultimate prize of a professional contract. But at the same time, the closer you get to that prize, the less opportunities are available, and the more crushing the blow can be if you are released. Tom Bates is a performance psychologist and has worked with a number of Premier League and Football League clubs to improve players' and coaches' mindsets to perform at the highest levels.
6: The pressures within an academy system inhibit performance with academy players because we forget that potential is realised over the long term. It's not instant gratification. It's not overnight success. We have to think longer term.
1: He recognises the massive impact that being released can have on an academy footballer. It's
6: one of the most difficult experiences for a young person to go through in any sport when you spend so many years of your early life working, invested in the dream. But it comes back to, let me tell you a quick story. West Brom lost to Peterborough under 18s in a pretty important game for them at the time. It was the FA Youth Cup. But afterwards, the coach got into the dressing room and he said to the players, tonight, we weren't good enough. I want to compare that phrase with, you're not good enough. You're not good enough is a final statement. It's a judgment. There are There is no room for future growth. We were not good enough tonight is something different entirely. He's involving himself in the process, coach and players together, owning that failure, owning that setback, owning that challenge. And we weren't good enough tonight means that tomorrow is another opportunity to improve again. And in that story lies one of the lessons that I learned very early on. And this is why great clubs create effective exit strategies to support the players that get released. There's an education process involved that helps them to maximize their qualifications that they gain, the courses that they're interested in taking. Great clubs provide an effective exit strategy for the players that leave so that they can further themselves, whether that be in football or outside.
1: Steve Salis mentors sportsmen and women, amongst others, to improve their mental conditioning. A performance and mindset coach at League One side, AFC Wimbledon, he was once an academy footballer at Brighton and told me about the day he was released.
7: It was 1996. It was old school. We, we stood outside a door. We all queued up. <laughs> we queued up in the, in the first team ground at the Goldstone and were told um, and then your mate would come out and it was yes or no or a swear or non-swear so as you can imagine that was what was done then I mean but at the time Troy if I'm honest it was what it was then so I didn't think then that that was there were there was a better way if if that's all right you know I'm not here to completely lambast the game but we have to talk the truth at the same time right so at least we know that the game has changed on that score, don't we? Well, we hope so. I mean, there's still there's still pretty poor practice going on as well as good practice. I have to say, I need I need to share this with you. I think this would be the one bit of nugget. I think it would be great if clubs gave players a choice at the start of the season, how they would like to be released if they got released. So instead of there being now this grey area, wouldn't it be a great idea if clubs said to you, look, you've got a choice of four options... How would you like to be released? Would it be by letter? Would it be by phone call? Would it be face to face? I think everyone would be in a much, much better position then. Some clubs
1: have taken on this kind of approach when releasing players, providing a more collaborative and less damaging way of communicating to players and their parents that they will not be retained. I discussed this with Simon Ord. He's Derby County's Head of Education and Welfare, a club recognised to have one of the best-run academies in the country.
8: Right at the start, I'll go back to when the nine and ten, when they come in, we have to be as honest with the players and as honest as the parents as they possibly can. So you know, everybody talks about the next steps at sort of eighteen, twenty-three. The next steps start at nine as soon as they sign on the dotted line. We're going to say to parents, you know, these are the stats. You know, your 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 you, your lad sitting in front of you has probably got more chance of being hit by a meteorite than he has been in professional football. So we just sort of said, you know, what we'll do for the next eight nine years is give him every opportunity and every experience possible we we'll just, you know, let's, let's, and that will be repeated year on, year on, you know. So I think you've got to be realistic with the boys and you've got to be very realistic with the parents. But we can do all this. Come to the crunch. You're sitting with a kid. The great conversation, the easy conversations are you've got a professional contract. The hardest conversations are the ones, you know, and I'm in all these, is that, I'm sorry, you've got a professional contract now. I feel much more secure now, Troy, than I did five, six, seven years ago, whereby most kids know when by that conversation has happened, and what we've done is the preparatory steps with those boys beforehand, so USA scholarship routes have been opened, university sort of open days, all those kind of things, and the life skills workshops that we do, so when they leave, they're in a much, much better position to sort of be able to access the support that's necessary.
1: Very often, young players and their families do need support from the game when they're released, but it isn't always forthcoming and it can have serious and tragic consequences. I'll be finding out more about the impact being released can have on young people and their mental well-being. Next on, it was all a dream, the football academy journey.
9: It was all
8: a dream.
1: Imagine being a teenager who's been told for years that you're amazing and are going to be the next big thing. You've dedicated your young life to your dream, not hanging out with your friends, no parties or late nights. You've worked as hard as you can to make it, even to the detriment of your schoolwork. And then one day, your coach sits you down and tells you that you're no longer part of the club's plans. I've been there. It's a moment that can be very hard to describe even now and it can have a major impact on your mental and emotional well-being. You've been the footballer to your friends and family and when that is no more, you feel worthless and alone. James Chiffey is the founder of Beyond the White Line, a non-for-profit organisation that supports the mental and emotional well-being of athletes
10: away from the field of play. Imagine you're plucked... Uh, sort of eight or nine years old potentially into this academy system. And then for... The next however many years, your whole identity is wrapped up in this bubble, in this ecosystem, and you will be a footballer, and and you are the best in your community clubs, and you're ripped out of that community club, and you're pulled away from a lot of your friends. Your friends are now embedded in this world, and so you become institutionalised in this bubble, and every day you're under scrutiny to maintain and retain that spot. You know, every retain and release day comes around, you know, am I going to make the cut? Is it going to be me? Everyone's talking about the 1% and and so on, so... It's a high pressure during their youngest, most formative years. These young minds, these young bodies are growing and it's all focused on football, let's say. That identity then becomes very one-dimensional and then if that's taken away from you in a moment, and and often they don't see it coming because they're so fine-tuned towards you know uh, success at all costs, they believe, you know, I, I was in a room of... of 23s recently, I, put their hand up, you know, I asked them to put their hand up if they felt absolute unwavering confidence that they'd succeed. Every hand went up. Mm-hmm. I asked them if any of them had actually ever considered it might be taken away from them. Every hand went up. When I asked them how many of them had done anything potentially sort of with that in mind, you know, and looked at options outside of, one hand went up and then a tentative second. It was staggering. So if you're then suddenly plucked out of that system and you go out into society, onto Civvy Street, as I kind of refer to it, you're no longer this footballer, right? So that identity's gone. So now you're questioning your identity, like, who am I? What am I? What are my transferable skills? Where do I go next? What do I do? Can I integrate back into my community clubs? Can I integrate back into, like, my own community? What happens next? So not only have you been thrust out of this bubble, you're now sort of flailing with, without the support system around you. No-one's telling you where to be, what to do, what's next, you know. It's, it's devastating. One young man who's experienced this
1: feeling is Kieran Bywater. Now a successful financial advisor, he was released by West Ham after captaining their academy side.
6: I almost laughed when I was in in the meeting. It was a, it comes as a total surprise to me, you know. With most people getting released, you can not see it coming. But you know you're sort of out of the squad. Maybe you've not been performing well. You've not been having conversations about new contracts. So that news was upsetting you know when you've spent 10 years at a club as well
1: did you get any support from the club after you were released or was you released and and that was it
6: none at all none at all
1: so there was was no conversations about the potential of you going anywhere it was just it's the end of your time here and that is it
6: this is the end of your time here yeah and it was almost like well what? there was no support you know there was no video analysis provided for me to help get clubs that sort of thing there was no meetings arranged for what sort of clubs, what sort of level you should be looking at playing now, what's the next step for your career. Um, nothing.
1: Like many young players released from clubs, Kieran had to find time to find and forge a new identity for himself, away from the game that had dominated almost every aspect of his life as a child and then as a young adult.
6: Um, oh. oh, goodness, this—that's a relief. What is going on? I don't know. It's
11: Sonny
1: Pike! As a teenager in the mid-90s, Sonny Pike was hailed as the next Diego Maradona. His precocious skills saw him star in McDonald's adverts, trial at Louis van Gaal's Ajax in Holland, and incredibly, his dad reportedly insured his legs for £1 million. But despite the hype, Pike never turned pro. He gave up totally on the game in his late teens, mentally drained by the commercial deals he was pushed into by his father. I asked Sonny how he felt after he walked away from football.
12: Oh, that's that's a that's a tough question because um, it took me a long time. It took me a really long time to really figure out what who I was and what I was. And even just like thinking, like even like relationships aside, like I'm a, I'm a son or this that and the other. It was more like who am i what do i actually stand for what am i about and i went down the whole route of drinking drugs everything i tried all that stuff and it wasn't until i got to my uh say 22 23 i think my daughter played a big part with the responsibility on her Of her i knew that i had to really sort of really sort myself out because i was going down a, a downhill spiral massively and i started to understand what i was what i was about really i started to just I just want to work hard for my family and just try and do everything the best I can for them. Do you know what I mean?
1: After wanting nothing more to do with the game, Sonny eventually became a London taxi driver. But in recent years, he was drawn back into the sport and detailed his extraordinary personal journey in a book called The Greatest Footballer That Never Was.
12: I did an interview on Talk Sport about five years ago and I talked about my story and uh, off the back of that I just got this feeling where I just got everything off my chest and I started to talk a lot more about football openly and what happened to me maybe I was embarrassed to say I never made it but I got a lot of stuff off my chest it took me back to like I was a kid again like my missus is going to me what are you talking about so I never spoke about football with her for the whole time I was with her and then all of a sudden I'm turning into this football guy again like I'm starting to get right involved so I started doing a few badges. I started to do a few talks, talking, I've in, gone to a few academies and, and college schemes and schools and whatever else. And now I'm coaching kids. I'm coaching kids on a one-to-one basis or I coach in small groups.
1: Sonny Pike has been able to find a new meaning and purpose to his life and fall back in love with football. Some former academy players and their families are still working hard to process their negative experiences. Jordan Eli had dreams of making it as a pro, and ultimately following the footsteps of his father Roger, who had played for Leeds, Wolves and Burnley in the 80s and 90s. Jordan was fully focused on his goal.
8: All I ever had going through my head, from
13: I probably said from about eight or nine years old, that that were always my dream, it was always where I saw myself. But yeah, that's all that's all I saw. I didn't see anything else. I didn't see. When people talk about, if you don't make it, all I saw myself for being a professional footballer.
1: But after joining an academy, his dream became a nightmare and he was mentally and emotionally scarred by the time he was released in June
13: 2019. I was, I was, I was god at that point. Um, I couldn't see myself playing football again. I never wanted to even look at football. Uh, I, sh- I just didn't value myself whatsoever. I literally, I didn't even... I, don't even think, I didn't work at that point because I just thought I just I can't even I can't even, I don't want to go through anything like that ever again in my life
14: what happened to me when I became a scholar can't happen to kids can't happen to kids it, it can't it's not it can't be allowed it was awful it was it was a tough it was a tough time for me thankfully I can look back on it now and I can talk about it and I can feel empowered by talking about it at the age of 16 probably didn't have that same that same power and that same mentality
1: now in his early 30s ashley thompson spoke bravely to the i newspaper about how the bullying and unfair treatment he endured as a teenager in academy football pushed him to the very brink
14: i i was um and i don't I don't... Again, I'm I'm, I'm conscious. I'm, I, I want to... What I say, I don't want it to be ridiculously dark. I was half a step away from throwing myself in front of a train. I was... And the only reason I didn't was my nephew had just been born and I hadn't had a chance to properly meet him. But I was... I was in depression and I was ridiculously suicidal um, because... I was no longer going to be a footballer and there was nothing for me. There was nothing for me. We speak about aftercare and the fact of not making it as a professional footballer does not have to mean it's the end of your life. Um, That wasn't my mentality um, at the age of 19, 20 when I'd grown up um, and everybody knew that I was good. Everybody knew that I was committed. Everybody knew that my my answer anytime anyone ever ever said actually what happens if you don't become a footballer my answer was I'm going to be a footballer so everyone everyone knew that pers- that that part of me so everybody pushed and everyone was every time I saw anyone oh actually how's the football going on the idea of dealing with that was too much for me to bear I I I couldn't see anyone I couldn't I, I just couldn't do that the embarrassment of um, having to sign on going to a job center um and the idea of anybody seeing me going to the job center when holding i was meant to be a professional footballer i just told them i couldn't deal with any any form of well-being health mental stability training um what could have come in after that would have helped me um would have helped me understand that my life isn't over but there was nothing i i wrote to ridiculous amount so I think near enough every football club up and down the country um to try and get a trial um still got the I've literally still got the emails in my in my email um account now ones that I sent off saying you don't have to pay me I will come and I'll train just just give me an opportunity and got nothing back got nothing back from the football club I'd just been released from um so I felt like I'd literally just been picked up taken out of the football world and dumped in the real world and said and deal with that at the age of nineteen, when a lot of my friends were going through college, university, um, had jobs, knew how to write a CV, knew how to look for jobs, knew how to look for courses. They knew this stuff. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get that opportunity um, due to going through football. So I will look back, and I'm I'm glad I can speak about it now. Um, but the darkest point was those two or three years when I was I was deep in depression and and couldn't see a way out.
1: I can identify with Ashley's pain and darkness, as I felt that myself when my football dream ended. And while he's thankfully in a much better place now, his lack of faith in the current system is worrying. Something just isn't right. Here's Liverpool's Andy Robertson, who was released by Celtic as a schoolboy.
3: I do believe that. You know certain authorities can do a bit more with players that do get released and things like that and make sure there's you know care for them because football is people's life and some people struggle when their dream is taken away from them and they find no way back luckily for me i was quite i managed to sob and get over it and then you know i managed to just kind of go away in holiday and stuff and enjoy family time and enjoy friend time. And then, you know, I went to Queen's Park, which, was, you know, I just tried to enjoy my football, but not not everyone does that. And that's why, unfortunately, sometimes these things happen. And I think we can do a lot more to help these boys that fall out the game because it could have easily have been me and I know how tough I would have found it. So
1: what resources are available to support young players in our academies? And is the game doing enough for them and their families? I spoke to Neil Saunders, Director of Football at the Premier League, who oversees youth development across their academies.
15: There are skilled, qualified staff, so full-time education staff, full-time safeguarding, full-time Premier League staff. And their focus is the players' well-being, their, their academic and their personal development. They will regularly meet as a collective to look at how they're developing on the pitch, but also how they're doing in their education, what things do we know about what's going on with their family at this time, and... Parents will be always the the most important person in that young person's life. And parents are committing a lot of time to bringing their son to Premier League or EFL academies. And it's important that we work with them and keep that communication open with them so they understand the journey that their son is on. As the young players progress through the system, they may engage with, with intermediaries and actually trying to provide parents with as much information around the wider academy system as possible can only help to be able to deal with that themselves and to be able to support their son as they go through the pathway.
1: Dan Jolly is the person tasked with leading player education across the Football League, which incorporates the vast majority of professional clubs and academies in England. Obviously, the Football League is serving a lot more clubs than what the Premier League is, so 72 could be 72 plus. Is it difficult to do that? And how much does finance play a part?
16: Yeah. (laughs) Good question, Troy. So, you know, obviously we'd love loads more money. (laughs) I mean, but I think it's not only about money. You know, yes, it's about us creating the right content and finding ways to deliver that content. And how do we support the clubs in offering uh, a life skills programme, access to speakers, access to resources uh, in the best way? And we need to listen to them. We need to listen to their challenges. And, you know, we need to make sure that we're providing something that can be, can be admitted and, and subsumed within the programme of delivery that they've got. So, you know, it's what's the really important stuff that these guys need to hear for their particular journey. And, you know, that probably isn't 20, 30, 40 sessions. LFE is supporting and the clubs are really doing lots of stuff beyond what we would offer them. You know, we're just trying to make sure that there's a base level of of support there uh, for the apprentices for the clubs but you know there'll be a number of examples of clubs doing way more and going way beyond perhaps what what our offer is
1: with the 92 professional clubs in england ultimately responsible for implementing player care and support themselves where does the professional footballers association fit into all of this i asked michael bennett director of player welfare at the pfa about the help the organisation offers to young players who automatically become members of the union if offered an academy scholarship.
9: They come into my room at the age of 16, and I have to say this to people know on the record that once you become a PFA member, you become a PFA member for life. Even if you don't get a pro contract at 18, you're still a PFA member for life, do you know what I mean? So, and you can come and access the services as any other member who's had a 15-, 20-year career. Today, you know, we have, we're having this conversation around mental health, which shows how far we've come in regards to it. You know, we're talking to players now, raising their awareness around their experience of mental health, which was never never discussed before. It was a, a taboo subject. We're trying to break down that, that stigma around taboo. You know, we deliver workshops now on mental health and wellbeing to the 18s and the 23s and the first team in the women's game. And now we're doing workshops to staff at clubs, like, you know what I mean? So for me, in 10 years, I've seen a progression change massively don't get me wrong Troy there's still loads of work to be done but in this 10 year period I've seen the numbers of people accessing the service grow year on year I've seen the shift from it being more about former players accessing the service now to more current players accessing the service. I've seen a shift with the WSL players now accessing the service much more. I see them talking to the younger players that are coming through, touching and talking about mental health. So I think in in, the, in these last 10 years, it has changed massively, Troy. And, and as I said, even the governing bodies are talking about it and, and now
1: having to move on it. Whilst the game's authorities may mean well, I can't help but feel that player care and support in the academy system can too easily be relegated to an afterthought, with the pursuit of unearthing the next big thing at the forefront of the club's minds. Suzanne Tobin's son has recently signed pro forms with a Premier League club, and she believes that football should be doing more to protect its young.
3: We all know the amount of money that is in football, and you know there should be, in every single club, a retain and release team so they can provide support to boys that are released. There, there's no reason why that can't be there. There is money in football to do stuff.
1: Roger Eli's son, Jordan, has suffered badly after a negative experience at a Championship Academy.
17: It would be nice to see Jordan, at any capacity, for the social aspect, go out and play football, because kicking a ball, you don't have to kick a ball, you don't have to strive to be that professional footballer again. Do it for your social. Do it for, and I'd say that to anybody, do it for enjoyment because football's a great game. It's just the game isn't great.
1: A young person's family and support network can be an actual lifesaver if their football dream turns sour. We'll learn more about this next on It Was All A Dream, the Football Academy Journey.
0: This podcast is produced by Unedited.
13: Age of five, I knew that's what I wanted to be. I was watching black and
0: white telly. Coming in from the cold, the history of black footballers in the English game.
13: At that time, Leeds United, seeing them in their white strip and knowing that that's what I wanted to be.
0: This is an audio documentary about the history of black footballers in the men's game in England.
14: Made my debut against Everton at home at Stamford Bridge. That was amazing, especially at a young age. I'd just turned 18 as well.
0: Spanning two centuries of injustice, accomplishment, pioneering feats, groundbreaking sporting moments, and iconic symbols of our national game. You've got that
17: wonderful multifaceted tradition because in sport The team want the best players.
0: In this unprecedented time, we tell the story of how many individuals overcame adversity to give hope to future generations. I think it's important for English football to actually really recognise that and keep promoting that. Because unless you hear that in, in a history lesson, or unless you hear that at the FA, or unless you hear that somewhere, how are we supposed to know? I'm Jessica Crichton. Join me for a six-part podcast series charting the rise of black footballers in the men's English professional game. These are the people that paved the way for us to be where we are right now. This podcast series is available on TalkSport and all podcast platforms.
1: (laughs) It was all a dream. I'm Troy Townsend and this is It Was All A Dream, the Football Academy Journey. A really key part of any player's journey through the emotional roller coaster of the academy system is the support they get from their family. Due to my challenging upbringing, I lacked that support when I was a young player and that void became a chasm when I was released. My parents were just not invested in my footballing journey. After years of holding the pain inside, flitting between dead-end jobs and skirting around the edges of criminality, I was fortunate to find purpose and meaning again. But each season, more young boys and girls join academies and more are released. Some will never truly recover their identity and may never manage to have a sense of purpose again. And more parents will see their children slip into the realms of depression and anxiety. Now, a £50 million defender for Arsenal, Ben White was released by Southampton, aged 16.
3: On the way home from getting released, I had a little, little cry. I spoke to my mum for a bit and she said, like, do, do you want to continue? Um, obviously, because if, if it doesn't make you happy, then there's no point doing it. But, yeah, so I said to my mum, I want to I wanna keep going and be a professional footballer. I think it, it's tough when you, when you get released and you're, you're not wanted. And especially when you're young, it's, it's hard to deal with, I think. You know, I think you either you sink or you, you swim. When things went wrong during Jordan Eli's
1: time at an academy... His alleged mistreatment by coaches at the club and subsequent release had a shattering effect on his personal and family life.
13: I literally felt worthless, to be honest with you. Uh, Every week, you felt... I didn't feel like I was getting looked at. didn't feel like I made... I didn't It didn't matter whether I were there or I weren't there. I didn't... I'm looking around and I'm thinking... I just couldn't understand it, to be honest with you. And all I was thinking in my head is just... I just want this to sort of end now. It's gone on for quite a while and I can't really, I can't afford to keep going on like this. It was, it were it was horrible, to be honest with you.
1: And did you share any of that? So when you said it was at your lowest point and you just wanted it to end, did you share any of that with Dad, other family members, anyone within the environment? Did people know how you were feeling?
13: To be honest with you, I felt embarrassed. I felt like, I just don't get me wrong. I shared it. I could there were points where I couldn't. I couldn't sort of hide it. I'd come home and I couldn't hide our feeling. But it was it was sort of like you didn't want to express it because you're thinking. I'm thinking to myself. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm better than this. This. This creates an image to whoever I speak to. That I'm. I'm not good enough. I'm not. Do you know what I mean? And then it sort of, The longer it goes on, you start of thinking to yourself, why? Why have they signed me? What? What was the point in me even coming? Do you know what I mean? Why am I spending all this time coming all the way over there to just get fobbed off, to not even be looked at, to be trep like they're just running my contract down? Do you know what I mean? Um, I just felt so different to some of the other players. There even to a point where I'd be I'd be in the gym doing what I, what I was doing, using a set of equipment, and then someone who was. But very highly of the club will come in and he'll, he'll need to use the same equipment and I'll have, have I had the physios who would I'd have the physios coming in and saying look he needs to use this and it's like it just sort of just shows the actual f- thoughts and that, what the way they look at you um, but then again that's the, I don't think that's down to the physios I think that's down to the initial person at the top who's got that opinion on you who takes it to the office, um, takes it to the office, and then all of a sudden he's expressing his opinion to his office, there's people working to become an analysis, working to become a physio, uh, wanting to become, do you know what I mean, they're sort of in the same position as me, apprentices, so they they sort of have to follow that opinion and the certain opinions that they have on certain players, um, and it literally, it's, it's like a tree, it's like a pyramid, it it just falls down from one to the other. And then the more, I just started to see it more more and more, week and week out, and more people having this this set opinion on you. Um, And then it just makes it harder and harder from there. There'd be be times where the sort of same thing, it would just, it would just so hard for me, to be honest with you, yeah.
1: You're a young person, you know, you're under 18. When you sign up to Academy, they say that they're going to look after your well-being as well as you professionally. Your parents sign you over to that commitment as such. Would you say you've been
13: fouled? 100% only because I know that they knew where my head was at at that point. 100% they knew and I didn't see any sort of help whatsoever. Um, and that was the worst thing because the scene out there, I don't know what, the scene, the changing character me signing for the club and sort of like the back end and no no one cared you know what I mean so like they were just so difficult at honest.
1: Jordan's father Roger is still a cult hero at Burnley for his goals that helped fire the club to the then fourth division title in 1992 I asked him how he felt about what his son had gone through
17: I'm proud, I'm proud that he's got the courage and the strength, he's grown to talk about it because at the time, as a family, all the family, our 12 year old, he we were 11 then, my wife, it was the hardest time for our family and I'm talking emotionally, because Jordan was in a place because of a football club. No, let me change that, not because of a football club, because of staff of a football club. Now, Jordan, at 16, being six foot, he was still our child, our little boy. Now, we entrusted Jordan with them and we've seen, and I hope I don't embarrass, we've seen Jordan cry. We've seen Ryan cry. I've seen my wife cry. I've even cried. Now, this is football, Troy. This is football. If I had have known that this is the environment that I'm putting him, putting him into, he wouldn't have gone anywhere near it. I don't like talking about my career. I've had some great experiences and I've had some bad experiences. Now We're in 2000, when Jordan went in 2019, the support wasn't there. It's like as if nobody cared, but ultimately, like I said earlier, I blame myself because I'm somebody who's been through the system and he's my son. If the game isn't gonna look after these boys, I had to look after him. I never did that. And it sounds really harsh because we're meant to have a process. We're meant to have a system. But in our experience, it doesn't work, Troy. And Jordan isn't the only boy. Boys suffer. And people will always say, is it because he did make a pro football he won't get over it? It's not that. It's not that he did make a pro football. Because we've seen earlier that if you don't play football, if you're not allowed to play football, you're not going to be a pro footballer. But if you support, all we want is a, a rounded child into a young man. And football used to be about that.
1: Jordan's family were able to recognise that their son was hurting and they thankfully got him the support he needed to help rebalance his mental well-being. We know that not every young player that has had experience of the academy system is so lucky. I asked QPR coach Chris Ramsey whether player care needs to be more central to the player experience in youth football.
4: I think that's the first thing. I think that's more important than technical development because you're dealing with people's children, you're dealing with young lives, you want them to have the best um, experience that that they can have. I think the parents therefore have to realise that the badge isn't the the treatment or isn't the the care. It's the people in within in whatever club it, it may be. I, I think that's the first and foremost is, is the safeguarding and the, the emotional awareness of the
1: different age groups. My sons Curtis, Deshaun and Andros all entered the academy system at various stages. And while I never had the family support growing up, it was imperative that they had our guidance and reassurance as they progressed through the system. Liverpool legend Jamie Carragher came through the ranks at Anfield. Now his son James is taking the first steps of his own pro career. How important were your parents as part of your process and development in football?
11: Very important. My mum was not interested in football, interested in me, but not the game at all. If anyone's mother was on the side of the pitch, I mean, the rest of them had to be like, what's his mum doing here? You know, and that's the way it was with us and, and it, it very, very changed, I'm being totally honest, right, through my professional career. So, no, it was always my dad takes was the football, you know, as I'm sure you've done with, with Andros. I do it with my own son now as well. And, and without parents, it would be very difficult, I feel, for, for, for players to actually make it.
1: Carragher's son, James, was at Liverpool's academy for a number of years before moving to Wigan Athletic, where he recently made his first team debut. I asked Jamie for his thoughts on his son turning pro.
11: I think actually being in an academy system for three or four years is a special achievement. Certainly in this city, every kid who grows up, 90% want to play football. Maybe 50 kids in the city at each age group are going to be at the two two clubs we have here. So I think a lot of kids shouldn't be too down on themselves if they don't actually become a Premier League player or play in the league. To be involved in the academy for so long, I think it's a special humans and they all should be really proud of themselves.
1: Former England star Trevor Sinclair has had all three of his sons at Blackpool's academy, the same club he came through the ranks at.
18: When the boys were at Blackpool, I never watched training. I used to drop them off for training because, I did, one, I didn't want to be, you know, looking like I'm judging a coach yeah, at Blackpool because yeah. I think that's unfair. Yeah, And two, because I want to look after myself. So I used to drop the kids off and go running. It wasn't me being unsocial. It was me, I didn't want to put pressure on my own kids. I didn't, even want, I didn't want people not knowing they were my kids, but I didn't want that extra pressure and that extra yeah. burden on my kids and expectancy. Do you think the system informs parents enough? Is there enough communication
1: backwards and forwards?
18: I think it is getting better. You know, we had the, the tragedy last year, the young player that got released off Manchester City. So I think that made a lot of people sit up and take notice and, and, and realise that more needs to be done. I spoke to the PFA when we had that tragedy last year, and I said every professional club who has an academy should also have a development academy attached to it. And I think if they had that, like just a bolt on of a development academy, it just gives the kids time to deal with their own situation. But depression and mental well-being for young people is huge. You know, the world that they live in is almost alien to the world we lived in. You know with social media with expectancy so yeah i'm i am all over that you know with our with our scholars and you can hopefully be able to help them make good decisions to help their situation
1: some within the game have seen the benefits of engaging help from outside the traditional football bubble when it comes to holistic player care and support according to james Chiffy of beyond the white line player welfare is seen as a fluffy nice to have for too many within the game but he's hoping his organization
10: can help change thinking there's this thing in football and I'm learning you know I'm an outsider and and I want want to be that because my fundamentally my only goal is to put the human first I don't care what you do on the pitch I don't care how much money you make we don't work for the club what we do is we go in and we support that club, we help them, and we ensure that the people within their organisation, and let me be clear, it's not just the players, it's the stakeholders as well, from the boardroom to the I mean, press office to the marketing department, they're all feeling it, the coaching staff. It's to make sure, as an industry, we put the human first. Because we do that, we change the game forever. Gender equality, homophobia in sport, racism. We change the game Chiffy believes
1: the pressures of academy and pro football can have serious impacts on the mental well-being of young male and female players, which require personalised solutions. It's a view echoed by Stephen Corker, the former Spurs and Liverpool centre-back, who now plays for Gaziantep in Turkey.
13: I just hope
14: over the next few years we can actually make a change and the change I want to see is that coaches are sort of having some sort of, um, whether it be therapy, some sort of courses, whatever, to have an emotional understanding. So when you're going to get your coaching badges, add this emotional welfare to 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 be to be a must, you know, not something that's optional, to be a must. So so coaches can see when players are suffering because the signs are there. Um, I see it in players today. I have players who reach out to me on a personal level who don't tell their coaches anything. They're still afraid to tell their coach because if they tell their coach, there's
13: a fear of being dropped.
1: I'm glad there's more awareness of issues within the game and I hope football embraces new ideas from people outside the system who are trying to make things better. And this needs to go hand in hand with better oversight and ownership of academy football from the game's custodians. Join me next time when I'll be looking at solutions to help provide young players with a new hope, whether they move forward inside or outside professional football. Being released by a club should never be the end of the road far from it. Instead, it's the start of a new chapter, as we'll hear in episode 3 of It Was All A Dream, The Football Academy Journey.
0: If any of the issues discussed in this documentary have affected you, call the Samaritans, day or night, for free, on 116 123, or go to samaritans.org. It Was All A Dream, The Football Academy Journey is an unedited production for TalkSport and supported by the Audio Content Fund.